Hello and welcome to Not For Nothing. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson and as we are still in quarantine from COVID-19, I have the only captive guest that I could possibly get right now, Ethan Howard Ham. Hello. We we totally have the, that life now where one of us will say, oh wait, I'm going to save this for the podcast. <laughs> right. We do. It really is true. Um, we are finally out of the Trump administration. Let the crowd say Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are in officially, like, the first full day of Biden's presidency. That that was the very first thing I thought about when I woke up this morning, was yesterday I woke up and Donald Trump was president. Today I wake up and Joe Biden is president and Kamala Harris is vice president. That felt really nice. My first thought was, I slept so well last night. And, I mean, I'm going to credit it to them, you know? I saw that Valerie Jarrett said that, too. Really? This morning. She posted and she goes, wow. That was a good sleep. (laughs) (laughs) It was. It was a good sleep. You know, and I wonder if that's true. Like, we were going for a walk yesterday after we had watched all of the election returns and everything, and I just thought, I feel so safe and secure again, knowing that if, like, I don't know. I just, I felt like Donald Trump should not have had the nuclear codes, and now I feel safe that Joe Biden has the nuclear codes. Yeah, I mean, they were talking about how he was somewhere in Florida and he and some aide are with him and they have the football and still have the codes until noon Mm -hmm. East Coast when Joe Biden is sworn in. Yeah. And my first thought was, who, why does he still have the codes? Have we not seen ample proof that he does not need the codes? Well, and I will give pushback on that because there has to be a president at all times. There has to be a commander in chief. There has to be somebody inside the government that has the access to those codes. And until Joe Biden takes the oath of office, he is not the president. So I see that, you know, he, he took the presidential helicopter to Florida and good for him being out of town. But what an insane world that we lived in just yesterday um, that we thought, well, at least he didn't use the code. Like that was the, the, the level that we were holding him to Trump. Mm-hmm. that we are proud of him that he didn't use the codes in his last hour in office. Like, we're glad that he didn't do that because that means we thought he might. I wonder, though, I wonder if it really is that serious. Like, because it's one thing to incite a mob onto the Capitol because that is physical power. That's physical human strength that he unleashed on the Capitol. But... Nuclear codes is annihilation of entire regions of people. And I wonder if he does have some type of moral compass that that he's like, that's too much. That's a bridge too far. Like, I can, I can unleash these people who can beat to death one person at a time or something. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if that is still a bridge too far for even Trump. Yeah, I wonder that. Or, I mean, I wonder if the only reason why he wouldn't unleash nuclear war on the world is because his only thought was, I don't want to get into that. Oh yeah, that's true. That is true. Well, let's get into the day's festivities rather than talk about Trump because that's exactly what Trump wants is people to continue to talk about him and I'm done talking about him. Right. I was actually about to say, let's let that be the last time we talk about Trump. Well, and I will say I have opinions about uh, the fact that the that the Senate is going to vote whether or not to convict him. Well, I have true. opinions on all this stuff, but I'm not going to bring any of that to the show. Because, I mean, 
Okay. Who cares? Sure. Who I, cares? I Moving that. forward. Like, I'll talk about that stuff with you and amongst friends in private, but I'm not bringing any of that to the show because who cares? I'm ready to talk about the future. I'm ready to talk about something else. Please. And so I'll say here and now that I have opinions about that type of thing, about the conviction of him in the impeachment trial. Um, if he is convicted, sure, that's great. If he's not convicted, I'll be fine. Like, we'll all be fine if he doesn't get convicted. It's not that big a deal. Really, in the grand scheme of things, we have an obligation to move forward, whether he gets convicted or not, and not fixate on it. So, whatever. That's what I'll say. Anyway, let's get into the day's festivities of the inauguration. I probably didn't take a full breath for a full hour. Like, from the minute that the Bidens and the Harrises arrived onto the inaugural stage... From that moment to when they walked into their respective buildings, I, I was just like clenched teeth holding my breath the whole time. See, and I wasn't because, and, and I get that. I think a lot of people were nervous because we didn't think that a insurrection mob could breach the Capitol and destroy these artifacts of our government in the way that they did. And that makes people nervous. But... I had a different take on it. I was not nervous at all, not one bit, because it's like when somebody brought a bomb on that plane in the soles of their, buried in the soles of their shoes, and forevermore we have to take our shoes off at the airport, you're safe in the aftermath of a disaster because there's people taking even extra precautions for that disaster to happen again, which it won't kind of thing. I mean, I won't say that it won't happen again or whatever, but I just, I've, I had that sort of feeling. I was, I felt safe for everyone involved that day. Yeah, I mean, we watched MSNBC literally all day. And isn't it Brian Williams? Isn't that his name? Mm-hmm. He said something like, I think it would give the American people comfort to know if they knew just how many eyes are on this right now. Yeah. And um, because w- they they used to walk a long way, like... They only walked a block, the block in front of the White House. That was the only time they got out of the motorcade and walked to do that ceremonious walk. And mostly it was, I think, more than security. It was about COVID. It's just that um, doing that long walk that traditionally incoming presidents do is about greeting the American people. And there's usually hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people in Washington for this inauguration. And that's the whole point, to walk down the street waving at your people and, you know, just having a celebratory moment. And there wasn't people there. They said, stay home. COVID's a thing. So that's why I think they augmented the the walk. But they did the walk. And usually there's people on balconies. There's people on thing. And God bless, I'm sure... <laughs> I wonder, I don't know, if the Secret Service is like, oh, thank God for COVID, because <laughs> you, everybody who's, everybody who is witness to the president has to be vetted by the Secret Service. That's just it. Like, so if they're walking down the street, every apartment, every, um, per, everybody who looks over the parade route has to be vetted by the president, and it takes weeks and weeks and weeks to do that. And this was an unnatural transition for obvious reasons because Trump, they didn't have the luxury of an open dialogue between two administrations. So it was harder to vet people. 
And so I'm sure they're like, oh, thank God we have a few hundred people to vet. That's it. Rather than hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. But I'm sure that like for every group like this, the Secret Service that might secretly think, oh, thank you, COVID. There's another group like the the White House cleaners yeah. that are like, damn you, COVID. Because, <laughs> because yeah. of COVID, there were like several several events that would have normally happened in the inaugural day that didn't happen yeah. because people couldn't get together. That's and true. And so they had to clean and bring in, take out, out old stuff and bring in new stuff that much faster. Well, and usually the transition, the White House residential transition team has about five hours to get all the Trumps out and get all the Bidens in. And that's enough time. They've got it down to a science to get it done in that time and do some cleaning, like lice all the table. Um, and usually while they're doing that, they are at receptions and luncheons and, you know, all different things that go on throughout the day while they're doing that. And when they get and when the Bidens, you know, the the proverbial Bidens, the new administration get there, they're home. And they do. They plan it out. Like, Mr. President-elect, what do you want on your what do you want on your desk? What pictures do you want in the room on the on the credenza behind the resolute desk? That he he plans it out where the stuff should go. And Jill Biden plan it out where whose rooms are what, you know, whatever, if they can. And they put it in there, you know? And so it's just when you get home, they're fully unpacked. It's not like they come home to boxes like we do every right. six months when we move our apartments. But yeah, like you said, they didn't have the time to do all that because they went from the inauguration to Arlington Cemetery to home. And so they had to work quick. And not only that, they weren't just lysoling the desk. They were deep cleaning it yeah. with like hazmat grade stuff so yeah it was it was a quick transition um but it was really just such a moving thing to see uh all the speeches and just keep hearing people say over and over again how just monumental it was or it is for kamala harris to be the first female the first african-american the first indian-american person to be in essentially the second highest position in the country mm-hmm yeah, it, that I'm so glad that that is that's been on everybody's mind mm -hmm. because I th I personally believe they didn't take enough time to celebrate anything like that when Hillary was the nominee because they had such an existential threat in Trump they just had to move on and get to it and unfortunately it didn't pan out yeah for that but they did they have been having that on their mind the whole time like when. We the election happened Tuesday night, and we didn't know who the winner was until Saturday officially. And they around Thursday and Friday they kept asking the Democratic Party, "Why won't you just go ahead and you know sort of preemptively say we are the winners?" The Biden campaign said, "We're not going to do that because we are going to wait until we know for sure, so we can take a deep breath and then celebrate Kamala." And I thought that was per perfect. Yeah. So. And all the looks too, mm -hmm. all the looks. Yeah, I, mean, I was about to say, let's get into some. Let's get into the fashion. Well, especially when, a little bit. Especially when, well, that's the thing. When Michelle Obama came out, it seems like everybody who was watching 
was like, okay, I know this really doesn't matter, but can we just take a minute to talk about how amazing she looks? Well, I gasped. I audibly gasped, didn't I? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God. She's so... I don't know. She's just, just lawless. She really is otherworldly beautiful, and it's it's fantastic. And and as Sunny Hostin said today on The View, she's always going to be my first lady. Yeah. And that's true. But then there is a deep well of intelligence in Dr. Jill Biden, our new first lady, who will continue to work because she's a woman with a brain and she should be using it. Yeah. Um, but there's a deep well of intelligence, but also a deep well of empathy and sympathy and nurturing for this country. Because I want to, this is probably not the opportune time to talk about it, but, I'm, but it just, it, it sort of leads me into that. How symbolic the Bidens are to be the president and first lady, because they're with Biden. I was telling you this this morning. Um, our friend Tracy from New York, she had said this about Joe Biden. She said, I really wasn't super excited about him at first. You know, I had no problems with him, but there was 170 different candidates running for this office in the beginning. And so, you know, you had it was pretty diluted if you were going to give each one uh, equal attention, um, which we didn't, thank God. But a lot of people just weren't that excited about Donald, about um, Joe Biden at first as president but as time went on and as after especially after super tuesday and he got this bump everybody kind of started taking notice and paying attention and then finally by the time we got here to yesterday at the inauguration he represented something so much more and what tracy had said was he's a man who lost his wife and daughter in a car crash and he also lost another son to brain cancer. This man knows about grief, and we are a nation grieving. And so how profound to have someone who has that much experience with dealing with grief sitting behind the resolute desk making laws or running this country, really. And also with Jill Biden, she had spoken, Dr. Jill Biden, she had spoken uh, about how she was nervous to marry Joe Biden because there was these two little boys, Hunter and Bo, who needed a mother. And she said, what a, what a great task that I would have to take on of being a mother to them, but also upholding this honor of their mother as well. And she just has this deep well of love and nurturing to give in an intelligent, strong way. And I just thought those two sitting in the White House, when, and I, I cried when they walked through the front door for the first time as president and first lady, because that's it. That's those two sitting there in that house and representing that for this country, which we need so much right now. Yeah, a pair of such just clearly emotionally intelligent people in charge is such a sea change in what we need right now. At the very least, what a person is grieving in this country is the loss of a year, basically. Mm-hmm. But so many people, probably the majority of people, are maybe grieving the loss of a home, the loss of a job, the loss of loved ones. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I think about people like you, who you really haven't lost anyone this year. Mm-mm. But you witnessed me lose so much. Yeah. And it's just, and it's become like, loss and grief has become this 
presence in this house and not, not necessarily a bad presence, but it's like, Oh, you're here to stay, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you, you brought bags. You will not be ignored, Dan. <laughs> right. And, and so you've had to deal with that. And I think there's a lot of people who've had to deal with that. And it's like, it's interesting. I haven't, I think I spoke about this a little bit. My dad's first cousin passed away a couple of months after he did. And I got to, I got the opportunity to have some pretty deep, profound conversations with his daughters, um, my cousins. And it was just interesting that my grief, you know, sort of passing the baton in a sense, for lack of a better analogy, um, in those conversations, but, but also sharing in that camaraderie of what Megan McCain calls the dead dad society, because once your father dies, yada, 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 just the sharing of that. And, and it just sort of cemented it and sort of spread it out. And it all, it almost lent some peace and some ease to know that there are other people out there going through this too. And then you, and then yesterday, I didn't realize the number of people who've died of COVID has gone above 400,000 now at this point. Mm-hmm. Like it's just been, cause I kind of checked out and I think a lot of people have been checked out and, and good for it because you have to, you have to take a pause. If you know, you can't just absorb all this and then continue to live a normal life. But hearing that number 400,000 was like, Oh, there's a lot of people who've lost a lot. Or if you haven't lost a lot, you've been somebody like you who's been at the peripheral of someone who has lost a lot. And it's just become such a commonplace. Like you don't have, you don't have the capacity to ignore and not have empathy for someone who's lost a lot this year because you know them so deeply. I know that for sure. There has, I mean, if you don't, if you haven't lost a lot, you know, someone who has. Yeah. Um, And, And because we as a society are so connected now, thanks to social media and just texting and things like that. Mm hmm. Even if you are somebody who has consciously decided to literally not leave your home ever since COVID began, you're still aware and in communication with people who have lost. Mm-hmm. Well, and two, if you haven't left your home, you have even more access to seeing the loss because you're you're by the TV. You have right. the TV, you have the news, you're able to watch more of it. And so like the people who haven't lost a lot and who haven't left their home very often probably knew that number before I did, the 400,000 people dead from COVID. And thousands more dying every day. 300,000 more, or not 300,000, 3,000 more a day dying right now. That's... That I mean, that compounds upon itself before you can even blink. I mean, you can't even fathom those kind of numbers every yeah. day. Um, that's I mean, because that's a huge chunk of this population is gone. Like, and people are going to have to grapple with that. And I think once we have the luxury of looking back on it on history, they'll have the luxury to do that. But that's the work we're going to be doing with Joe Biden in the right. White House. Yeah, that was something to get back to the inauguration and mm-hmm. the events. Uh, something that somebody on MSNBC had said that we as Americans tend to not handle death very well. Mm-hmm. And when 9-11 happened, we were so just enraged and sort of galvanized to want to do something about that. But in this, we're facing 9-11 every day. Yeah. And because of that, everybody's and just And what you mean by that down. is... There was 300,000-ish people who died. I don't know the numbers, but there's 3,000 people who died on on 9-11. There's 3,000 people who died 
two days ago from COVID. 3,000 people who died yesterday from COVID. There's 3,000 yeah. people who are going to die today from COVID. Just here in L.A. County. So that's a 9-11 each day. Yeah. That we can't even, I mean, you can't even catch up with that. Right. But anyway, back to the inauguration festivities. Um, so the fashions. I th- I think people did not give Hillary Clinton any bit of due. She was gorgeous. I honestly think she looked better than she's ever looked. She's never looked better. Her Her hair hair was flawless. And that's the thing. I have always, you know, she's, she's had some struggles with her hair in the past. Because she's listened to people who told her what they should do with her hair. And I think she's just like, here's what I want to do with my hair now. Yeah, and it looked wonderful. Because she used to have long flowing locks before they were like, you need to chop that up and be a mother, baby. Also, secret, I think this is secret fashion that everybody should listen to. If if there are ever any doubts about fashion as you are aging and you want to age gracefully, throw some ruffles under your chin. <laughs> because she had this royal blue. I'm colorblind. It was royal blue, right? I honestly don't remember. It was blue. I know it was it was I think it was pretty much the same color to me as what Kamala was wearing. Mm-hmm. But I don't. But they were like, "That was purple." I'm like, "Well, I don't know." So, well, um, what Kamala was wearing was indigo, and indigo has a lot of blue in it. Yeah. So, well, I mean, that's the thing. It looked blue to me, but right. then it looked the exact same as Hillary, which it could have been the exact same as Hillary, or Hillary's could have been royal blue. All that to be said, she wore she wore a nice pair of sensible slacks, and it looked like some boots. I was I was nice with those. Those boots were nice. I was like, "Get it, girl. Sensible boots that are comfortable. Don't mm-hmm. wear your stilettos." Just some bl- royal blue slacks and then a royal blue pirate shirt with ruffles under her chin, poking, poking out of her jacket, her coat. And it just looked regal. Just as much regal as any other woman on that stage. Well, I mean, not as much as Michelle Obama, but who could? Right. I mean, everybody knew, though, that she would come in and be the queen. She and was- everybody wanted... Like, it made me just swell with pride mm-hmm. when the Obamas walked out of that corridor and onto the stage. Well, and everybody just screamed. Well, and they were walking like a boss, too. Right. They were, I mean, they were walking like a boss. But, I mean, if you know, I've, I've done some research on it. It's not like I'm some fashionista. But I did do some research on Sergio Hudson, who designed the outfit that Michelle Obama was wearing. Um, he makes clothes for powerful women. And that's just... It's beautiful. And that color. Ugh, she she mm-hmm. owned she owned the day. But you know what though? There was women all over that stage owning the day. Oh yeah. Because Dr. Jill Biden, she wore a up and coming is what they kept calling her, Alexandria O'Neill. Um, I think the brand was Markarian or I don't know if that's her brand, but anyway, the the person who dressed her was Alexandria O'Neill. Um, and she's up and coming, and I thought that was really profound to to do to sort of let your clothes be your service. And I and Michelle Obama always used to do that, right? Um, and I wonder if Dr. Jill Biden will do that as well while she's in the White House, or does she have a different priority? I don't know, but it, she looked beautiful. Powerful women on the stage. Um, the whole day was co-chaired by Amy Klobuchar, which to me has been a dark horse. The whole election cycle from starting in 2019 through 2020 as she was running for president and now she is 
run it. She ran the inauguration. She was the co-chair of this um, inauguration. And she so she was hosting the day, sort of speak. And so she was, I mean, she was just living her best life, getting rid of Trump uh, up on that stage. And she was introducing Lady Gaga and Jennifer Lopez. What did you think of what they were wearing? Uh, I mean, I loved all of it. Because uh, they're saying that Lady Gaga looked like she was going to the Hunger Games. She sure did. And I am here for it. I'm 100%. Here. You know I love some Hunger Games style. You do. You Effie love Trinket a, is my queen. Effie Trinket. Um, which Effie Trinket would have seen what Lady Gaga was wearing and been like, oh, that's cute. How very understated of you. Yeah, how conservative of you. But um, I think she looked great. I think she sounded great. She mm-hmm. was so cute. The way she was visibly nervous. And when she finished singing the national anthem, she turned around and said, "God bless this country." <laughs> right, and and I I don't I don't think that's disingenuous. No. I think that's exactly because I mean that can seem disingenuous because she was putting on a full show. Oh yeah, with her faces her, you know, and her hand gestures and, her and spinning around, and she was just <laughs> spinning up there. She was just like I don't know. She was super excited, but she was using her Broadway voice. She was, and um, she. I think she knows something that I have often said, and I don't know if I've said it on this podcast or not, but I've always seen Donald, no, sorry, excuse me. I've always seen Joe Biden as a Trojan horse, so to speak, because he brought a black woman to the VP, a black woman, Indian woman, um, woman to the VP, which was like, okay, here we are. And then he brought a gay man to Secretary of Transportation, and he brought an indigenous woman to secretary of the interior he brought um an educator a man of color educator to the secretary of education novel concept an educator to take over education what do you know um and then health and human services wasn't exactly there wasn't anything remarkable about the secretary of health and human services but then the second in command is a transgendered woman and the second in command has to go before Congress to be certified, to be um, to be approved. What is it? What is it? What's the word? Affirmed. Uh, I think approved is a good word. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Anyway, you have to do that. Um, so it's just so he's had indigenous women and people of color and a gay man and i mean which people of color and women i don't know if there's been any indigenous people who've sat before congress to be um confirmed that's the word i was looking for um to be confirmed but there has not ever been an openly gay man sit to be confirmed and there has not ever been a transgendered person sit there before so i'm just like this white old man that everybody's pissed off about is a real big trojan horse who's he's sneaking in being establishment bringing all these brand new characters and he swore it he said my cabinet will look like america and by god they do Mm -hmm. they really do so i think lady gaga knows that about him and i think that's why she's excited because she is that type of person she wants to see that type of representation in her country and her government There is a lot of clatter always, chatter and clatter around Jennifer Lopez. There is. There's a lot. I mean, you have an opinion on Jennifer Lopez. Everybody does, whether you want to or not. What was yours? Well, my theory about why people have such strong negative opinions about Jennifer Lopez. Well, I'm just saying... Before you go into that, I, when I say people have opinions whether you want to or not, I don't necessarily mean bad opinions. 
I oh, mean, I nobody just looks at Jennifer Lopez and is like, mm, it's whatever. Right. <laughs> nobody does. I don't know why. Well, I think she's great. And I think that the reason why some people don't is because they want her to be something that she's not. Mm-hmm. But for what I like what she is, uh, I think she sounds great. I like her voice. It's not the strongest, most, you know, reverberating voice you've ever heard. She's no Adele. But she sounds great. But she, she always holds properly. her own in that in that arena Yeah, more than you think she can. Right. I mean, and even me, someone who loves her. Like I don't, I don't obsess over her like I would for Dolly or somebody like that. But I'm always like, that girl's doing it. She's doing it right. Um, and she, and it's always surprising just how good she is, because I don't think her, I, I don't think the radio does her any justice. I think when you see it live and you hear mm-hmm. it live, you're like, oh, yeah. I mean, her performance was flawless. And she had the Spanish in there, and she threw in a little tribute to herself when she screamed, let's get loud. Well, and you know, and that's that's what, I mean, I don't know, like, I that in that moment when she said, let's get loud, I'm like, that is her anthem, let's yeah. get loud, like, um, like, Gloria Estefan is get on your feet. Right. And uh, Jennifer Lopez is let's get loud. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I like that. Yeah. Do it. And then, and it's And she true. was wearing Chanel. I mean, you know, everybody else is kind of introducing new people. She's like, I got Chanel. I got Chanel. And I'm exactly. like, go for it. Go ahead, I guess. You look flawless yeah. in it. And that's the thing. This woman that people love to hate, I don't know that there is anybody more beautiful. <laughs> There's just not. She's just so perfect and gorgeous. And it's just like, and not that I care, but I'm like, woof. I mean, credit where credit's due. It must be said, I wish she was a little bit more forward and honest with how with what she gets done to help her look that way. Mm-hmm. But as I have said before, and I will say again, everything from the neck down that she has, that is her that she worked for. And you cannot take that away from her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she was where I don't remember where we were. Was it New Year's Eve? Maybe she was performing. Yeah. And she just decided to slide across the stage on her knees. because yep. She's like, I'm thrifty, bitch. And yep. I can. Um, that was fantastic. And I don't know. I just I've listened to. um this land is your land at least four or five times now because I'm just like, it's so beautiful. Her singing it. I've never give a crap about that song really. But then yeah. when she sings it, I'm just like, Oh, I love that. Yeah. It was really good. The way that she was bending the notes and going up at times and down just in a way you've never heard this land is your land. Um, and just to see, the Clintons and the Bushes and the Obamas and Lady Gaga and Jennifer Lopez just hanging out on the, you know, on the platform. It was, it was fantastic. And then you have National Poet Laureate. National when, Youth Poet Laureate. When, she's the first National Youth Poet Laureate. She's uh, not the first national, she's not the first National Poet Laureate, but she, and she's oh, not okay. a Poet Laureate, which is not a, that's not a dig. She's just, that's her, her she was the Youth Poet Laureate, meaning when she was young, yeah. she was one of the best poets in the world. Miss Amanda Gorman mm-hmm. was amazing and moving. And, I mean, her 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 poetry that she delivered was mm-hmm. just spot on and perfect and inspiring. And she also looked great. Yeah, she was she was primary colors, red, red mm-hmm. headband, yellow coat. It mm-hmm. was beautiful. I couldn't tell if she had a stitch of makeup on her face. But if she didn't, she didn't need it because good Lord. I mean, yeah, she had flawless skin. Yeah. 
And I mean, well, she's 22. Right. So who doesn't have flawless Me, skin right at 22? Here. I did not have flawless skin <laughs> at 22. <laughs> well, looking back, you know, unless you had issues like you did that you've spoken about in your own work, um, everybody looking back is like, we didn't know what we had when we had it at 22. Right. But, um, yeah, she was fantastic, and she, she struck just the right tone. And we cannot talk about the fashion without talking about the legend and the icon that is Bernie Sanders, <laughs> who just it's continues, true. without even knowing what it means to be a meme, continues to be a meme. I think he knows. Oh, he knows now. I think he knows. I mean, I think, you know, I would like to give him credit. I don't know if he deserves any credit for it, but I'd like to give him credit that he knew exactly what he was doing. See, like, I mean, you know, it's like that is something about Bernie that actually does irritate me a little bit is that people just love to throw credit at him for no reason. Right. They, like he could walk into a room and people are like, oh, grandfather, love you. And that's it. That's he doesn't it. have to do anything. But, you know, and the thing is, Lady Gaga, she knows like she's not going to wear the eye makeup right. or or the crazy mask contraptions or, around her head yeah. at the inauguration. But she was. I mean, but people are calling her Hunger Games at this point because she knows what her brand is. Yeah. It's outlandish a bit. And it's like, that Over was elegant and beautiful and outlandish. Yeah. And Jennifer Lopez, she knows her brand. She mm -hmm. was, I mean, and it's Chanel. Like yeah. Chanel, she doesn't have to represent brand new. She, she didn't have any need to represent brand new designers the way that a first lady might want to do to, mm -hmm. to pay it forward. She's like, this is who I am. Like she wore a gown on a red carpet um, for one of the award shows last year with the widest brim hat you've ever seen. And it looked fantastic. That's, Jennifer Lopez, not Michelle Obama. Yeah. Um, and so she's always, and she did, she was a little like, she, she wore some diamonds and that's her aesthetic. You yeah. know, you know what your aesthetic is. Bernie Sanders. And that's the thing. I Bernie think he Sanders, knows what his aesthetic he is. He is on brand. He shows up with packets of paper under his arm <laughs> and a fluffy cold weather coat and mittens that were made for him by a teacher from his home state mm -hmm. and which was, nobody's talking about they just think it's cutesy mittens right and it, but it, that's the thing she made them all from repurposed stuff uh the plastic bags the they're inside, made from plastic the bags the inside was fleece made from recycled plastic bottles oh bottles and the outside was uh you know cotton or wool it was wool uh from repurposed old sweaters mm. see that's fantastic and you know what? That's, this is what I'm saying. I'm trying to give him credit where I don't know if he deserves any credit for it. Who are we talking about today? When it comes to fashion, who are we talking about? Michelle Obama and Bernie, Bernie Sanders. Sanders. Like, he, And that is America. He did it. He, he did what he needed to do. And now you're talking about him. And somebody asked me on Facebook uh, this morning. There were, I, I posted, because everybody is now posting him everywhere. Your bosses did it mm -hmm. in front of the two uh, salons. Um, people are posting him everywhere, just like popping him in in that little crouchety chair mm -hmm. uh, because he, I mean, it, it's an it's an image. Like people used to clump together and sit next to each other and it was a whole thing of who's sitting next to whom. And now no one's sitting next to anyone because of COVID. He was sitting in a chair all by himself. Everybody knows the memes. If you don't, just look at, just Google Bernie Sanders inauguration and that'll be the first thing that pops up. I posted one with him in Truvy's chair today with Truvy putting curlers in his hair and him looking curmudgeon about it <laughs> um, because, you know, 
Southern gay, still magnolias, yada, yada, yada. And somebody I went to high school with who is, I mean, I'll just say it. He's a white guy with no consequences. He is one of those people who um, think thinks that they are above politics. And they pro- if you force them to say anything, you probably say, I'm a libertarian, yada, yada, which means you're a Republican who don't give a shit. Um, really, honestly, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. Do you think opinion, you'd say libertarian or just independent? I think you would say independent, but a libertarian is Republican views on money and finance and taxes and everything. But let the let gays do what they want to do. Nothing's right. my business, right? You know they're and yes, I'm sorry, it's a mocking tone. But anyway, that's who he is. He he's like he's always the naysayer, the devil's advocate, devil's advocate for yeah. Black Lives Matter. He's the devil's advocate for this, for that, and he's going to find. Something to stir the pot, even when the pot is not on the stove. Hello. And um, that's what he was doing with that meme. He goes, do you think Bernie Sanders wishes he was up there? Or was wishing he was up there? And I, in reference to Bernie Sanders with his arms crossed, looking like a little curmudgeon, I said, no, I think he was just cold. <laughs> like, it's cold in he Washington, D.C. Like, and he's just like, no, I just mean in general. I'm like, I just think, why do we care? Like, He's on the national stage now. We are listening to his policies. What else does it matter? I don't think people who have made it that far are as pining for the presidency as much as anybody thinks they might be. Um, I think you realize that everything is in the name of moving us forward and in progression. And we are. And because of Bernie Sanders, all Democrats are further left now than they were in 2015, 2016. We all, we just are like, there's just no way around that. And that's because of Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders opened the door for people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and many others, Ilhan Omar, everybody else in the, in the, in the squad. Um, You know, we just, we have an awareness of a left of a progression that we didn't have before Bernie Sanders. And I think that's what he wanted more than the presidency or anything else. Um, and sure, it's if you want to get your progressive, more um, different views acknowledged, you can do that much easier from the Resolute Desk than you can one desk in the Senate. Sure. But I don't think he's sitting here pining over it. I think he was just cold. Yeah. So he's ready to get to work again. Ready you know? to get to work. Okay. Before so then moving on to the, uh, just quickly. Moving, no, no, go ahead. Moving on to the, um, that sort of the special that they did to like tribute to America. That's what I was going to talk about. Uh, first of all, it seemed like Tom Hanks wasn't quite sure what was going on the whole time. <laughs> I, I, I just wonder like, I mean, surely they knew they were going to do this for yeah. a while. Like I've heard this weeks ago. So he knew, but it's just like, I think everybody is just excited. Like, yeah. I think people are just too excited to be chill right now. Yeah. Like, I just there was a moment are. where they came back from commercial and he literally said exactly like this. And we're back <laughs> to celebrate America. Well, and <laughs> there was people moving parts everywhere. And we've been watching TV for a year now with people broadcasting from home Mm -hmm. it's hard it's hard to do moving parts when you're not in the same studio so i get that too but i just love that he was talking about the nurses and he was like they're the heroes on the front line and he goes they really are yeah and i was like are you reading this for For the the first first time time? (laughs) they really are (laughs) so um 
And we saw lots of great performances there too. We saw um, and great speeches by Kamala, Vice President and Kamala, and President Joe. Yeah. Um, but then we got to see John Legend just blow the roof off of the sky. There was mm-hmm. no roof over him, but he still blew the roof off. Yeah, because he is flawless and he's John Legend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we finished with Katy Perry, and I'll be uh, to quote Trixie Mattel: "Controversial yet brave." I love Katy Perry, and I think she looked amazing. She, I think she always looks amazing, but she looked great. She sounded great, uh-huh. uh huh. Which is always a touchy thing for her. Sometimes she well, does not sound great. She's another one who is a, if I may use the pun freely, dark horse. Yeah, she. She just doesn't get her dues as a singer the way that J-Lo doesn't get her dues as a singer. She's a good singer. Yeah. Like, I, like, she's a good singer. Like, Taylor Swift, I love Taylor Swift, but Taylor Swift's bread and butter is the, is, as a lyricist. I don't think anybody, like, Taylor Swift holds her own with music sometimes. Like, there's moments when I'm like, okay, get it, girl. Yeah, she's never sounded better, but, but she still she's, doesn't sound amazing. She sounds better than she ever has, but she's not, she never shocks you with the notes she yeah. hits. Katy Perry shocks you with the notes she hits. You're like, I forgot she was a good singer. Mm-hmm. Actually, you never knew she was a good singer because she, because when you do the shtick, yeah. you you lose a lot in the shtick. And Lady Gaga transcended that, that she didn't lose anything in the shtick. She hit all the high notes. Mm-hmm. People were like, she's flawless. Um, but Katy Perry has a shtick, a little bit like Lady Gaga sometimes, more bubblegummy, yeah. but you lose her in the shtick, but when she puts on a white satin dress and just sings and elbow gloves and then <laughs> sings in front of the Washington Monument with more fireworks than anyone's ever seen in real life. I mean, it was fantastic. It was pretty great. And just that moment ending with her in front of the Washington Monument. With the fireworks and Kamala and Doug standing nearby, Mm -hmm. watching the fireworks, listening to this music, and then cutting to President Joe and Dr. Biden um, on the balcony. I think it was, I don't know if it was the, I don't know if it was the Truman balcony. I'm not sure. Yeah. um, Because there's two balconies on the south side of the White House. I think the upper balcony is what they call the Truman balcony. Um, One of them is Truman balcony, but it, they were on the, second floor balcony, mm-hmm. not the third, watching the fireworks with the family there. And you just felt like they're home. Yeah. They're going to go in there. They're going to put on their nightgown. And what I hope Joe wears is, you know, a long nightshirt and a nightcap. And they're going to go to bed and America feels safe. Yep. And so, now they're awake today doing work. That was another thing that... I was I was very happy to see because there wasn't a brunch that they had to go to because mm-hmm. there wasn't balls they had to get to that night inaugural balls because there's no inaugural balls which there usually are there's usually nine or ten inaugural balls and the president makes an appearance at each one for maybe twenty minutes tops mm-hmm. there was no balls this right. this tonight so there was also three senators that needed to get sworn in and so. Vice President Kamala Harris went straight to the Senate and swore in um, John Ossoff, Raphael Warnick, and uh, now Senator Padilla, who replaced Kamala for her resignation to become vice president. She put she swore them in and they got to work and cut back to because this is on MSNBC. We cut back to the White House. Don, uh, Joe Biden, President Biden, has a stack of 15 executive orders that he is 
gonna do he swore he would do it on day one and he did it on day one we among them i don't know i haven't looked up all 15 executive orders but among them were first and foremost in my opinion i mean just not not my opinion but what i was aware of and conscious of was we re-entered the paris climate agreements we ended the muslim ban we ended uh pipe uh what is it the pipeline yeah the keystone pipeline. the keystone pipeline ended that stopped drilling in alaska right away so he is already day one doing stuff for the climate he's like no i i told y'all i'm gonna make climate important and he did and then after that cut to going back to the senate they have confirmed avril haynes as the director of central intelligence the first woman to hold that job so yeah. There we go. We're getting to it already, people. And we also, through the executive actions, rejoined the World Health Organization. That's another one. Yeah, that was another one. And uh, he's starting... This is kind of like what people are kind of calling his stretch goal kind of things. But hey, it could happen. I Um, mean, I don't think there is any stretch goals in rejoining the World Health Organization because we were always in the World Health Organization. Well, that's not the one I was talking about. And then... Well, I'm just talking about... um, all the other ones, I think those are not stretch goals. No, those are all. just places we were before yeah. Donald Trump got here. Right. And we're going to go back. Yeah. It's not like we're... Any follow-up it's questions. It's not like we're back in the WHO and the Paris Climate Accords today, but we've started the process of getting oh, back in. Oh, we are. In. We are back in oh, today. Yeah. What do you mean we're not? That's what they were talking about yesterday. They were like, there's a process that has to go through. It has to be like put before some you know regulatory board and they have oh. to accept us and it takes about 30 days. But that process has been started. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I just mean, like, there's no deliberation. No, 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 no. There's no yeah. more deliberation. We're in it. Yeah. We're, it's coming. Yeah. That's what I meant. But anyway. And um, and that's easy to say when you said something wrong. It's like, that's well, that's what I, what I meant. Along. That's what I meant. I said what I said. <laughs> Any follow-up um, questions? So the stretch goal is this program that he's starting to locate uh, all the children who were separated from their parents for, at the border and then locate their families and get them back together. Uh, Mm -hmm. And some people have said, you know, like compared it to other uh, executive action goals that past presidents have had that are kind of like, we're starting the process of beginning the uh, program to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you how I think you should do it. I'm just going to tell you, I want this to happen. Yeah. And that's the case. You know what I'd like to see though? Really? 1500 children were separated from their parents all of those children and all of their parents just like get an express pass to the front of the line yeah. citizenship right do it you don't take their kids away you don't right. you don't do that you don't put kids in cages i want to see grandparents you child little little 8 year old who was put in a cage who do you want to be here with you in america your grandparents mm-hmm. your aunts and uncles all your cousins bring them in mm-hmm. i want to see it all you don't get to do that you don't Put children in cages. Yeah. And people will always say, well, that wasn't actually an Obama thing. And I said, and to that I say, Obama did introduce that legislation. He did. But the cages, the maximum holding for cages is 72 hours. Three days. That's it. These kids were in cages for months. Mm-hmm. And not only that, he never once separated a child from their parents Mm -hmm. never once even if you put it on paper to say that it was legal to do so he never did it donald trump did Mm -hmm. that's it so 
That's what I'll say to that. I want to see them all citizens. Pay them, give them a job, pay them taxes. Let them. You want them to do it the right way. There it is. They yeah. did it the right way. Obviously, you know, vet them still, but don't make them jump through any more hoops. You know, do about your. Well, I mean, check, everybody gets other. vetted, right? You know and what then, I mean, like, and that's what I think is a lot of the confusion that the far right thing. The far right assumes that we just like have a flood of people who come through the border and they just get a stamp. They're like, okay, you're in. Welcome to America. And that's it. Well, the far right doesn't do any research. <laughs> the far right says, I hate Mexicans. And then I'm going to find ways to justify my hatred of Mexicans. That's all that is. Uh, so. a, a certain um, news outlet that shall not be named from the far right has also, I saw a headline from them today. That, Wolf news. That said, yeah, Wolf <laughs> news, mammal news. Um, said that uh, the headline was White House tells Congress to quote-unquote multitask. Like it was the most ridiculous thing they'd ever heard. I mean, and again, Amy Klobuchar, uh, that lady that was in Congress, I forgot her name, that is on MSNBC now, they've all been saying it. They're like, you know, they're saying that we don't have time to confirm nominees and also impeach Donald Trump and also try to find a bill. He goes, she was like, we're at work for eight hours a day, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody goes to work for eight hours a day. You can do hearings in the morning and you can do um, impeachment discussions in the afternoon. And in between, let's find some money for people who are suffering. Mm -hmm. She goes, let's put in a full day's work. She goes, you look around America, you see a mother trying to type a report while trying to feed her baby, while trying to help her young child with homework. Mm -hmm. That's what everybody's doing. We're all multitasking around right. here. It's not a ridiculous request. Which I will say to that, you know, as difficult as that has to be for the mother to have to balance all those things at one time, she's not trying to pass country changing legislation you know mm -hmm. it's not quite the same thing but i will say as well that it almost seems like a lot of republicans um get up in there in the congress and then look around and think you mean i actually have to do work yeah well and two it pisses me off when when uh politicians of any sort right now are worried about money right because you didn't give a damn to run our national debt up to $21 trillion, but now you're going to squabble over 2000 versus $600 per person, which is less than less than $5 billion in you a package let deal. Trump, you were, were going to let Trump waste how much money on a military parade right. for the 4th of July? A military parade. we don't have enough we've money We've wasted to all this money on the wall. We, I mean, we've wasted millions of dollars on his golfing yeah. that you said nothing about, but now we want to give somebody $1,400, and you're like, I, we're the, the rub is in the details here on the numbers, and it's like, okay, what is it, $5 billion? It has been confirmed that we wasted, Pay it. That we wasted a grand total of something like $500,000 or $600,000 to let the Secret Service of the Kushners use the bathroom in another building because yeah. they wouldn't let them use the bathroom in their own house. They wouldn't let them go. They would go to... They, they did. They went down the street to Obama's house. Like, that's not <laughs> a story. That's a real thing that has been reported. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, that's pissing me off that they're squabbling over money. It's like, just pay it. If we... We have $21 trillion in debt. We're never going to pay that off. So, just pay it. Pay the money. We should never have been in this dire situation. Just pay the money. Anyway, we're getting off topic here. That being said, Vice President Kamala, President Joe, they hit the ground running. They went to work. And a lot of people 
have a sigh of relief today. They yeah. wake up feeling relaxed because there's an adult in the room. And there's lots of adults in the room now. <laughs> and I saw somebody post something that said, our really good dad has left and mom's new perverted boyfriend is here. And I'm like, okay, y'all are reaching because if you didn't see Donald Trump's speech versus Joe Biden's speech yesterday, you should go, you should go watch them. Also, who in this situation is really the perverted dad? I mean, right. come on now. Right. So that that's all I'm saying. I mean, you... That's that's a fiction you wrote yourself and you want it to be true. Yeah. But anyway, I don't want to get angry about Trump supporters. I'm going to be happy because we are living in Sleepy Joe's America. Sleepy Joe's America. Yesterday was kind of the first time I ever realized that the inaugural events were an all-day affair. Really? Yeah. I guess I just never knew that. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see. Well, this was light. This was inauguration light. Yeah. Because, like I said, there used to be a luncheon and then we would have been watching on into the night as we watch what is the gown that dr joe biden's gonna wear what is the gown what what is what is vice president kamala harris gonna wear to these inaugural balls is she gonna wear a fancy you know gaucho type thing like michelle obama was wearing or is she gonna wear a full gown what's she gonna wear uh we could have been doing all that too so this was inauguration light I think we also can't let this episode go without talking about just what a breath of fresh air the uh, press briefing was. Oh, my God. That was so much fun. And that was another thing that they got started. They said, we have to do this today so that Joe Biden can look back on his entire administration and say, we held a press conference every single day. That's what the press secretary is there for. Like, And you even saw Jen Psaki, who is the new press secretary, aided by my friend and lover who she doesn't know it because we've never met but i watched her all the time on msnbc karine jean-pierre um she was there taking notes too every day that's what you're supposed to see that the um press secretary does a, a set a press conference every day she takes a question from one of the reporters and says i don't have any information for you right now about that I'll tell you, I'll give, I'll get back to you about that tomorrow. Like they had a standing appointment every day and she, and the press secretary would start off with, you asked me this yesterday, here's my statement on that today. And that's fine because you're not the president, right? You don't have to have all the answers. You speak for the president and it is fine to say, I am where you will get your presidential information. I don't have that information right now. I will write that down. I will have a meeting with President Biden. I will give you my response tomorrow. And I think... That's work. That's the work you do. The reason that they didn't do that is because Donald Trump did not care to put in a full day's work to have meetings with his press secretary, to have meetings with us. What questions do you have for me? The, you know, the pre- doc- and then Jen Psaki will go to Dr. or to President Trump and, or phew, so many names to President Biden and say, here's what they want to know. Can you give me a statement on this that I can give to them? And then she'll take that back to the podium. That's what, and, and it was just such a free, like she wasn't trying to spin. She mm-hmm. wasn't trying, I mean, which you don't, there's not much spin to do on day one. Really. Once you start getting into the, you know, the stuff, there will, you know, there'll be more back and forth, but it was just such a breath of fresh air. Well, the first question that she got, I think, could have been spun. Uh, it was a very good question, I thought. this The guy asked, you know, are you here to 
further the message of the president or are you here to deliver the truth to the people? Oh, that, I didn't answer, see that one. I forgot her, about that. That was the very first question. And her answer, I think, was perfect. What she, she said, the president has made it abundantly clear over the course of the past several months that his full intention is to deliver the truth to the American people. He works for the American people. I work for him. Therefore, I also work for the American people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did see that part. That was really good. I mean, that was just, I think, I think the the, the press corps in that room, I think they have PTSD. I think they oh, were like, sure. are we going to do that? And she was like, You're, I, and then she, and then she like profusely apologized. apologized. And she even made a joke. It was so funny. She was like, I told you I was coming to you and I just skipped right over you. I'm so sorry. And he goes, hey, I'll take it when I can get it. <laughs> it was so charming. There was a moment that you and I looked at each other kind of at the same time mm-hmm. and, and said, oh, wow, they can just ask a question and then expect a polite, coherent answer and not be told, Shut up, you fake news. And well, and get that's out. and that's the thing. It started with Sean Spicer, and it came to that Barbie blonde. I forgot. I didn't even <laughs> get her name, but she she was dressed to the nines every day, like because she was on TV. So yeah. you know, it's like I'm gonna dress up. And yeah. Jen Saki, she looked cute, gorgeous, yeah, professional. I mean, she looked very professional. She had you know she had appropriate pretty makeup, red pretty red hair. Wasn't trying to be pageant Barbie like the other girl was no. or whatever. And she was just, it's not about you. Like, yeah. Why are you dressed like you're going to dinner with, you know, a celebrity? It's not about you. And you she did speak for the president. And she did get a couple of just ridiculous questions. Yeah. And I she politely and professionally answered them in the way that she could and moved swiftly on. And I love that she, yell at I love that she had that little glimmer in her eye of like, bitch, it's day one. Yeah. Calm down. Yeah. We haven't even unpacked the boxes yet. <laughs> you know, she's like... But I think... I uh, I hope that she understands where they're coming from. Because it has to be like, you know, the first day that you get a new manager at work after you've had the same manager mm-hmm. for the past four years. You come in and you're like, oh, what's going to change? Are we going to do this? Are we going to... Blah, blah? Well, and, and the person and has two, to be like, calm down. This is my first day. Right. Let's get this figured out. But the thing is, there's Karine Jean-Pierre in the corner... Writing that down. Mm-hmm. I'll have an answer for you tomorrow. You know, I don't have an answer for you today because it's duh, day one. But tomorrow, I'll have an answer for you for that. Like, we will start to build the narrative together from the White House again. You're going to see daily press briefings. I'm not going to watch them all. I could. Yeah. I could try. But I'm not going to. But, you know, we're going to have full information coming out of the White House again. Like, there's going to be a... Like, there's going to be a machine come in the White House again, and not one man. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a mechanism of how things work. This is something Trump never did. If you hire a full staff of competent people, the the job will do it. The yeah. job will work. Like, you will have the opportunity to actually touch on everything because you'll take three or four minute meetings with a press secretary and three and four minute meetings with a with a secretary of this department just to sign off, just to hear it, ruminate on it for 30 seconds, and then give a statement or give a decision. You can do that, but Trump never did. And so I'm looking forward to, I can't wait for all the department secretaries to be confirmed so I can start watching them staff it and then start seeing work get done. Again, because work, no work got done in the last four years. No. None. So, 
no well, real work. Like, no. like, like the State Department. I've been very intimate because starting with Hillary and then there was the TV show Madam Secretary. We're pretty versed in sort of the way things go in the Secretary of State, <laughs> the State Department type thing. I feel like thing. that might be kind of like saying... I know law. I watch SVU. Well, no, but you know what I mean? Like, we see that there's just ongoing work all the time. Yeah. And you have to nurture those relationships around the world. And we just haven't been doing that. And it's it's going to be exciting to see that work. And mm-hmm. I hope Anthony Blinken is well hydrated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and well for those who don't hydrated. know, Anthony Blinken is the new uh, Secretary of State coming in. So, that well, being said. I would like my closing thoughts to be... Uh, Another one of the executive orders from our new president, Mr. Joe Biden, is a 100-day masking challenge. And everybody out there, Mm -hmm. please rise to the challenge. Keep your social distance. Stay home if you can. If you can't, keep your mask on. Keep it going for these 100 days, and let's see what happens. Yeah. I mean, we've got to. Let's see how much a difference just the majority of us in this country practicing common sense can make a difference in this virus. And my closing thoughts on the inaugural day and the first day's work of President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris, I will just quote Jennifer Lopez. Let's get loud because this land is your land and this land is my land. Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego was a game show where you had to chase Carmen Sandiego around the world. And then eventually they turned the cartoon portion that was Carmen Sandiego into a cartoon about Carmen Sandiego going around the world. Gotcha. <laughs>